You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley, and we want to say thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the show. If you're new here, welcome in. You can subscribe and find us everywhere podcasts are found. We also have a new YouTube channel where it's gotten a lot of traction since I started it, I guess, a week, week and a half ago or so now. Got a few videos up there for you. One of them uh, no longer, actually a couple of them, I guess, are no longer uh, relevant because of games that did slash didn't happen this weekend for the balls and Lady Vols. But still go check it out. Go subscribe to our channel. Go leave uh, a video a like. This one will be a video, obviously, if you're you know listening to this just through audio right now. Go check out the video of it. I don't think this one will have any sort of any sort of live video in terms of you know Gene and I talking like we had for the last Lady Vol basketball fever podcast where it was me and and the great Kelly and Stitz from WATE, but we will have definitely more of those in the future, and I plan on doing more of the uh, pregame matchup breakdowns like I did with the Memphis game, which, Gene, didn't happen. So that's kind of the obviously the main part I wanted to talk to and start off with here is the game we, we spent a lot of time breaking down in our last episode together, Gene, and, and talking about the keys to what can, can Tennessee win this game and all this different stuff. Didn't end up happening because an hour before tip-off, where a lot of fans had already traveled there, had already gotten to the to the arena, were about to be at the arena, had already bought lodging, and, had, and maybe you know a lot of people have already bought parking passes or parking tickets or whatever, already bought tickets, which those were going to be refunded, but whatever. An hour before the game, it, it was announced that the game was going to be canceled due to COVID issues inside the Memphis program. And Gene, literally right before you and I were set to record here, we're recording this on a, a Sunday afternoon, uh, Penny spoke to the media in Memphis, and thanks to Jason Munns of, um, he covers Tiger, Tiger basketball stuff for the commercial appeal over in Memphis. Um, thanks, to, thanks to Jason there, we have I, I was able to see a lot of quotes from Penny Hardaway that talked about kind of what happened. There was other reports about, you know, reports about what why they had to cancel and all this different stuff. I still, to me, the biggest issue isn't even the cancellation. It, it was the timing of it all. I, I just don't. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the timing of it being one hour before tip-off, where everything kind of came to a head and it's going to be the announcement. I, I think there could have been, they, they could have known earlier than that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they didn't. I, I don't know. But, uh, G, before we get into discussion and debate or whatever about this, I want to give some interesting quotes or just I think send the more newsworthy quotes from Penny when he spoke to the media on Sunday. Started off saying, I want to start off by saying to all Tiger fans that drove to Nashville yesterday that we're definitely appreciative. Just unfortunate a couple hours before the game what happened. Thank you so much for coming down and trying to make it a special experience for all of us. Um, he also wanted to say, I think it's crazy people think the guys went out partying. They went to the get-together, which was, a, I think, a Memphis alumni thing, for seven minutes max and left. I saw nothing wrong with it. I knew it was going to be brief, and then we went back downstairs. And that's referencing to, I believe it was Grant Ramey tweeted out that he, he overheard uh, someone on Memphis Media saying something about, uh, at, at the game in Bridgestone Arena, that those guys had gone to the party the night before. And I think people, people ran with that quote and, and assumed that that meant that the Memphis players had gone out and done a bunch of partying and stuff in Nashville or, you know, Broadway or whatever the night before. But, you know, 
that's what happens when you assume. And of course, Grant, I, I guess maybe could have worded it differently in his tweet, but whatever. I, I, I'm not trying to throw Grant Ramby on the bus because he did clarify it later on too that it was a an alumni get together thing. But that was another uh, quote from Penny that I think was worth mentioning. Another one that he mentions that I, people have, you know, latched onto was where he said, "I believe." He confirmed that there were only four players available to play versus UT because of uh, the guys who tested positive, which he did say were, uh, let's see, he said Tyler and Land yeah, Tyler Harris and Landers Nolly were the two positive COVID, case, uh, COVID tests. So those two tested positive, and because of contact tracing and whatnot, um, Penny said that there were only going to be four players available to play on Saturday uh, because of that. And another one that I think... Uh, it was worth pointing out, Gene. He said, Penny says he, quote, probably misspoke when he estimated in the preseason that 90% of his roster was vaccinated. And my response to that was, you don't say. Uh, that's <laughs> probably misspoke. I think 100% you misspoke on that one. I, I also want to say another one he says where he said there, quote, should be some compassion for his players and Memphis fans. Quote, we really wanted to play this game. We really wish we could reschedule it. We're not ducking anything. I agree with for the players. I, 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 don't, I don't think fans who we're going after players on this. That's that to me is crossing a line. I I one hundred percent think there should be more compassion and less vitriol thrown towards the players and all this. That that I don't you know I, I'm never condoning attacking players on social media for anything. But it's also worth noting, Gene, a lot to unpack on this and stuff that happened Saturday. Penny says he would love to keep working with UT to reschedule the game. And he says if they can't, quote, they might add another game later on. But we did hear Rick Barnes on Saturday say that uh, basically there's no chance of rescheduling a game with Memphis this year, which makes sense. I mean, we're getting into SEC play. There isn't really a lot of leeway with the schedule this year. They don't think they left a lot of dates open for COVID stuff this year like they did you know, last season. So, Gene, you could start wherever you want to with that. Um, my whole reaction to the game on Saturday or the non-game on Saturday was I understand canceling it. you got to take player health and safety first. I just was not a fan of the timing of it. I was not a fan of how things were handled because of, of the of the fans already being there at in the arena ready to watch the game, and that's when they had to cancel it. I guess, I guess you can't help it, but maybe you should have tested earlier in the day. I, I, I don't know. But also, I think a debate I, I want to have this debate later on in the episode but talking about should there should they not continue to play but I think right now just I want to react a little bit to Saturday things Penny said today and just the overall just mayhem that happened because of all this on Saturday and this game not getting played right so um, let me start here in, in terms of the cancellation I, I mean the timing of the cancellation it's on Sometimes in life, things are just unfortunate. You know, it's just an unfortunate timing of circumstances. I mean, like we, you know, two years ago, if the same thing had happened, I think there's probably a lot more vitriol. Like the people who are mad, a, lot, a vast majority of the people who are mad who are people who were, had actually driven to Nashville, had, had, you know, gotten hotels and maybe stayed Friday night to be ready or driven up, you know, to enjoy Saturday in Nashville. Um, and, and I 1,000% get that but like I, I can't I can't get to the level of anger because of the world we're living in like I mean I think if people just look around for a minute I mean take a minute take a step back and look at what's going on in every league that is above college basketball right now I mean if you look at the NBA I mean the, the NFL they're playing two they're playing a football game at five o'clock tomorrow because of uh, because of COVID 
they're playing a game on Tuesday because of COVID. You know, college basketball games are getting canceled left and right. NBA games are getting moved all over, all over the place, being canceled all over the place. Um, like that's just the reality of the world we live in. I'm not sure there's a way you can change it. I mean, I'm sure you obviously hope that maybe maybe you can test earlier. I guess that's the only thing, but. How early is too early? I mean, if they test Friday night and find out late Friday night that there's two positive tests, uh, because I think I read that those guys were tested three times, and all three times those two guys, uh, Tyler Harris and Landers Nolly, were uh, you know came back positive. And so, does it make a difference if people find out Friday night? I mean, you may get some people who decide not to. I mean depending on how what time it is, you may get some people who can cancel their hotels, but there's a lot of people, again, because that was an, uh, that was a noon tip. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things are being canceled day of uh, for a game that maybe tips, uh, tips off at 4 or at 6. I mean, we go wake people up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, and tell them, like, I just don't think there was a way to really avoid this because there were going to be people that had traveled up there on Friday, uh, yeah, maybe some of the people who were going Saturday were able to get out of it, but I don't think the Friday stuff. Uh, I don't like, I don't love the fact that, you know, however Penny framed it. Yeah, I mean, chances are you maybe he, maybe you knew, maybe you didn't know that ninety percent of your team wasn't vaccinated. Get that? Okay, it it, it is what it is. Uh, and he has to be better with his words in that case, mm-hmm. whether he knew or whether he didn't know. Uh, in, in terms of the game itself. It's a game that benefits – to me, that game should be played every year. I get it. It probably won't. Um, it, it's also a game that behooves – I mean, that benefits Memphis far more than it does Tennessee in, in terms of just the overall – the season that you have. I mean, obviously Memphis is in a much weaker – not a much weaker, but Memphis is in a weaker conference. And so when I'm looking and I'm seeing, I'm like, yeah, they really need that game. They don't have the opportunities for quality wins that a Tennessee has. I mean, t- the past two years, Tennessee's entire February was just chock full of potential quality wins. Uh, Memphis is, isn't, although you look at a school, a team like Houston, which is a really, really good program, uh, and, and some other teams that are around, I think Wichita State is either in the AAC or is going. That's, that's just a league that is improving and, and, and is getting better. I think Loyola may be going there too. I, I can't remember, but what, while that's an improving league and it's been a good league uh, in the past with some of the teams that have been in there, it ain't the SEC, uh, especially yeah. the belief that the SEC has improved over the past five years uh, from when I think it was just like maybe Kentucky and like two other teams that got in the tournament like four or five years ago. Uh, the SEC has done, gone a long way in terms of like building up its basketball profile. And so like this is but this you know, so Tennessee doesn't need Memphis. But the state of Tennessee, in my opinion, needs Tennessee Memphis. And you know, and look, I, I read I read the uh commercial appeal uh, a column, I think, right before the game. I think I think he posted it. Uh guy's first name is Mark, his last name starts with a G. I can't remember exactly. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you're talking about you know, he, he, yeah, he yeah, he wrote yeah, he wrote the column, and of course, it ticked off a bunch of Nashville people. And I get that, but I also understood his message. Like this is like this is a rivalry that it is a rivalry. First off, and whether you 
yeah, whether your profile is better or worse, sometimes you just need it for the Louisville. Does, I mean, Kentucky doesn't need the Louisville game, but they play it every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's one of those, and that's a basketball state far better historically than the state of Tennessee. And they're playing. They'll, both of those teams have won national championships in the past decade. Yep. Another one of these teams have made it, you know, past the Elite Eight. You know, Memphis made the championship in what two thousand seven, I believe. You know, seven the, or eight. Yeah. Yeah, the Derrick Rose can't hit a free throw at the end of the, end of the game. They lose to Kansas. So, if they can play that every single year, if they can figure out a way to play that every single year, heck, Louisville played Western Kentucky yesterday. Like they, right, sometimes yeah. it's just good for the state. Like sometimes it's bigger than just your, you know, your petty feelings about somebody else. And, I, and I'm not, you know, throwing stones at anybody. I'm just being honest. Like sometimes it's bigger than just like how you personally feel. Like a lot of fans, yeah, we don't need the Memphis game, but it's a great game to have. And when you're talking about building something in the state, you know, you're trying you're trying to build basketball in the state of Tennessee which is looked down upon amongst other states, regardless of how people feel about Tennessee's recruiting or Memphis's recruiting or whatever. Nobody really cares. North Carolina's looked at uh, regarded higher. Kansas, the state of Kansas, because they've got Wichita State, who's been relevant recently. The state of Virginia's had VCU make some runs, and obviously Virginia just won a national championship. When you start looking at the state of Michigan, like Tennessee's probably somewhere in the middle. And then you've got a lot of fans that don't really even jump into basketball season until, A, their football team stinks, or, B, they, they start hearing about five-star guy, five-star guy, five-star guy. They don't care. So if you want to really start building up your profile as a state, then you win the state every year. You win the rivalry of the state every single year. So I don't like the fact that they didn't play. I don't like the fact that Penny – was ignorant towards the fact that he didn't about how many people were vaccinated on his own team. Mm-hmm. I don't like those things, but I'm also looking at this as, I mean, we are in a health situation, however you want to frame it. And also understand that sometimes the circumstances are just extremely unfortunate. But my bigger thing is this is a game that needs to happen every single year. And like Tennessee's not that elite as a basketball school to be looking down on quote unquote Memphis. Because the last time I checked, they've gone further than you more recently than you. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you've touched on that because that's where I was going to transition to anyway. Another quote from Penny on Sunday, uh, according to Jason Munn, says, Penny re- reiterates the desire to reschedule the UT game, says he's even willing to play on a back-to-back days or play two games in three days. Quote, I think we need to find a way to get it done. We want the Tennessee game. That's what the fans deserve. And he's right, and you're right. The fans do deserve it, and they deserve to see this type of matchup. Like you said, it's not just good for the state. It's good for college basketball to have this type of game be played because rivalries are great for college sports and and great for college basketball. We we talk about Duke-UNC. We talk about Louisville and and Kentucky, like you just said. Tennessee-Memphis can be right up there with those because of how much these two programs hate each other and the fan bases too. But for the first time, I think, in years, because I've I've always been in the camp. We've we've had this discussion before on the podcast, Gene. I've been in the camp that I like. Th- I want this game to be played more often because I think it's a, a game that I I just am big on rivalries. And Tennessee doesn't have really many in college basketball. They have te- they have Kentucky, and they technically have Vanderbilt, but that's been a very one-sided rivalry um, 
even when Tennessee wasn't good in basketball, they were still able to beat Vanderbilt um, a decent amount of times even then. So it, it doesn't really feel to me there, there's not a there's still there definitely is a more level of, of hatred towards Vandy in basketball than I think there is in football because Vandy's been better in basketball than they have football historically, or you know at least modern day um, in college athletics. But to me, the, the Tennessee-Memphis one would be right up there, or right below Tennessee-Kentucky. And I, I think that that needs to, it needs to be played more because of that. But for the first time, I think, in my life, on Saturday and this weekend, I, I legitimately understood where people were coming from and kind of almost yeah. agreed with where they're coming from and saying that Tennessee doesn't need to play this game. Let's stop playing Memphis. And I, I, I'm not going to go that far and say ever, I think right now there, there probably needs to be a break. As long as Penny Hardaway and Rick Barnes are the head coaches of their respective schools, I don't think there will be another game, so I don't think I'd worry about it. But I also think that, to me, honestly, right now, while Penny Hardaway and Rick Barnes are the head coaches, I don't really want to see these two teams play because I'm almost I'm a little worried about like what's going to happen the next time these two teams are on the court together and if it's a packed arena or whatever. I I mean not that I think the fans will attack players I don't think fans will attack I I don't I don't think it'll go well I don't know that it'll get to like Tennessee Ole Miss level where you see fans throwing stuff on the court but like I I generally just think that this it needs a little bit of a breather a little bit of a break I don't think it needs to be like the break we saw with the Lady Vols and UConn where it's several years it's not to the same degree there it's not quite to the same level of you know backdoor dealing or not dealing the backdoor to stuff that you know things that fans didn't know for a while, only suspected for a while with Gino and Pat and all this different stuff. It's not quite to that level, but it's very, very, very clear that Penny and Rick don't like each other. It's very clear that uh, the, the fan bases don't like each other, don't think the players on these two teams like each other. I just think that right now it's... I think it's a. I think it's better if this game is not played for the next couple of three four years or so and I, but at, after that point I wanted to come back because I'm a huge fan of Tennessee Memphis but I, the whole stuff with the way everything's been handled with what Penny Hardaway has said even kind of how Rick Barnes has done it Rick, I, I've been a little frustrated with Rick Barnes on the way he's kind of dug his heels in on, on some of this and I get it he's, he can be a stubborn man all of us can be stubborn I mean I, I 100% get it if he feels like he's been slighted or that his players have been treated unfairly like, I mean the comments that Penny made with the balled up fist and stuff. I understand Rick Barnes being upset about that. I mean, that's my mentality. You can say what you want about me and come after me. I don't really care. But if you insult my friends, or in this case, if you're Rick Barnes, you insult his players who are kind of an extension, almost like his, you know, your your players are almost like your kids in a, in a certain way, I guess. But if you insult his players and say things about his players that aren't true, I understand holding a grudge about that. Like, I understand that. It's like, I, I, I get where he's coming from, but it definitely seems like he's he's dug in his heels and has been very adamant that even before this weekend, that you know they weren't going to continue this series with Memphis, regardless. And I think this just further solidified. He's like, yeah, I'm done. Like I don't, I don't have a desire to do that. Even if Penny leaves, I don't know that Rick Barnes will say he wants to play Memphis um, as long as he's head coach at Tennessee, which I think is unfortunate. But I guess that's a long-winded way of saying that I think this this is a, a rivalry that needs to happen. But I think it needs to go on a little bit of a break. Gene, I think <laughs> I don't. I don't blame either. I don't blame Tennessee for not wanting to reschedule this year because I. I mean, I look at Tennessee's schedule, and there's not really like, I mean, there's not really a great place to put. I mean, you could, you could try. I. I guess. I don't know. 
not really because you ha- you have the Christmas break coming up, you have New Year's break coming up, and then you have SEC play, and then you have your one non-conference game in that in the middle of all that already scheduled for the SEC Big Twelve um, challenge. You don't really have a whole lot unless Tennessee is also willing to do a back-to-back or two games or three-day situation like Penny said he is. And I don't think I don't know that Tennessee's willing to do that. Just because Penny's willing to do that doesn't mean Rick Barnes is willing to do that to his team. So I mean, there's not a great place to put it on the schedule. I I, I don't think it's a good idea to try to do it again this season anyway. Uh, and and there's just a lot of complexities and layers to it. I'm I'm in favor in general of this series being played, but right now I I legit think there needs to be a little bit of a break because this series has been fraught with all kinds of drama and stuff and, and not fun drama not not stuff you're like oh this is this is gonna be great kind of you know uh bulletin board material all this different stuff it's been kind of to me it's been a little stressful drama it's been stuff that i i don't like seeing the the toxicity on twitter between the two fan bases because tennessee and tennessee fans of all twitter is already known for not pulling punches and going too far memphis fans do the same thing though so it must be something about this state because memphis fans and vol fans do not hold punches when they go after each other i had to get off twitter after about one o'clock on on Saturday, and didn't get back on again until it was time for the tip off for the Lady Balls game because I couldn't handle it. I was getting tired of seeing some of the things people were doing and saying and everything. So I I I think there just needs to be a little break. I'm in, I'm generally in favor of these two teams playing. Give me a few years to kind of recover and say, all right, let's get one, if not both, of these coaches move on to different schools or retire or whatever, and then let's try it again because. Uh, I, I don't think these two these two coaches like each other, and I don't think these two programs are going to be able to mend this particular fence, in my opinion. So, um, let me take you back to uh, December tenth, twenty eleven, mm-hmm. um, a game that was played between Xavier and Cincinnati. Uh, it was a game that was won, I'm pretty sure, by Xavier. Uh, 76-53, and yeah, whatever, it was a game. That was also the game, if people would like to open up um, Al Gore's Twitter account, I'm sorry, well, not his Twitter account, want to go to Al Gore's internet and look up that date, they'll know that that game was remembered more for a big brawl Mm -hmm. that happened between the two teams. Now I'll take you to December 19th, 2012. It was a game that was won by 11th-ranked Cincinnati, 60-45. to 45. After, a rob- I mean, after a brawl that left kids bloodied on the court, they, I still I haven't, I haven't looked it up, but, I mean, I remember seeing some details of that. They played the next year. Like, that's – and that's a robbery that is that – they're, they're, I mean, they're playing every single year. Tennessee and Memphis don't even do that. Yeah. Like, I think they should. I think, yo, you think they should as well. Um, like, the, it, like for me, when I'm looking at all this stuff, I'm looking at I'm saying, maybe it's my ties. You know, like, I, I grew up on, like, games like Kentucky-Louisville and Duke-Carolina and things of that nature. I didn't realize some – I didn't realize some rivalries. I was ignorant towards some rivalries when I was younger. But, like, Kentucky-Indiana, that's a game that's not played anymore. And, and my fear is once you get away from it, it gets very easy to just not bring it back. 
Like it gets very, you can keep on finding reasons to not bring it back. It was that simple? Because obviously, it was, if I recall, Tubby and Rick uh, signed, made this agreement, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't obviously it wasn't Penny. Yeah, it was Tubby Smith, uh, I believe. Yeah, so Tubby and Rick made this. So, I mean, we can say let's cool this thing off for a few years, but. Every time I look up, they're taking a few years off. And if, I mean, and there's, like, there's something to be said. Like, me personally, I think that Kentucky-Louisville is the best rivalry in college basketball. People always yell at me, Duke-Carolina, Duke-Carolina, Duke-Carolina. This is basketball. They play, I mean, Duke and Carolina play twice a year. Yeah. At least in Kentucky-Louisville, you got you to, gotta, the loser has to wear that for a year. Carolina, you got to wait. I think it's two weeks between the games, maybe three weeks, because they're both played. I'm, I'm pretty. I can't remember the details, but they're both one. The second Duke Carolina game is played the last, I believe, Saturday before the ACC tournament. And sometimes they play three times. So which one should I care more about? Maybe the one that Duke won or the one that Carolina won? Like there's something to be said for those rivalries. Like there's something to be said for being able to play those. And when you look at some of the stuff that's happened between Kentucky and Louisville, you look at some of the stuff that's happened historically between Duke and Carolina, and everybody's trying to convince me that Memphis and Tennessee, they can't play because their coaches don't like each other. I, I just can't get there. Even I don't care if their players don't like each other. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have no reason to believe the players have any issue with each other because, heck, most of these kids were all four- or five-star prospects that played high school together. I mean, that that played in AAU tournaments together. I mean, like, that's a great game. Like, how legit are Tennessee's Mm five-stars? How legit are Memphis's five-stars? Like, the storylines make themselves. How good is it? Can Penny figure this out again this year? What about Rick? Is this the year that he takes over the state? Because the fact of the matter is, neither neither coach is taking over the like quote unquote the state. I mean, neither neither has because obviously Rick recruits great, but you know, like there's not a lot of tournament success there. Penny recruits great, not a lot of. I don't think he has an NCAA tournament win. I don't think he's made the tournament no. in his time no. there. Yeah. So, so like when there's so many places all around all across the country i mean come on man like in the in, in the grand scheme of things rick barnes is going to be looked at as a great a historically great coach but unless he does something in deep in march it's going to be just that like i mean like it, it, those kentucky louisville robbers at calipari versus patino Duke Carolina had Coach K versus Roy Williams. Like, this can build your profile. Like, I mean, like, it, it's nice to be looked at as a great coach and a respected coach, and people can feel however they want to about Penny, and, and people can feel however they want to about Rick Barnes. They can say whatever they want to. But Rick, I mean, Rick's been extremely successful. Penny's, well, we'll just say figuring some stuff out right now. <laughs> I don't think I can personally can say much better than that like it seems seem to get better but they start so slow they never make the tournament then it's you know it's this fault or it's that fault or whatever who, who cares i don't care like to me my thing is quite simple figure it out because the state needs it because every other state figures out how to play the rivalry games everybody i mean xavier and cincinnati 
I think it's like five miles or something that separate those two schools. And they figured it out. Tennessee and Memphis. Memphis may as well be West Arkansas. When I was in college, we literally referred to – we had a chant towards Memphis that I cannot repeat on these airwaves. <laughs> Nobody in the state necessarily liked Memphis. Now, as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate the state, the city of Memphis. But I also know how far away it is from everybody else in the state. Like a whole, it's a whole heck of a lot more than eight miles. I'm pretty sure that's what separates, allegedly, what separates uh, Chapel Hill and uh, and Durham. You know, Louisville and Kentucky are what, maybe like a hundred miles, something like that. There's like three hundred miles difference between Memphis and Knoxville. It's like a six-hour like, drive. The hatred ain't. Yeah, the hatred ain't. It can't be that bad. Like those that you know, if you're a Memphis fan, you're typically somewhere around West Tennessee. Now, Tennessee fans are sprinkled everywhere. But Memphis fans are kind of, you know, secluded to that little area. And so my thing is, I don't care what the details are. It, it's it's not any better or worse. Guess what? Y'all got problems. Y'all don't like each other. Welcome to college basketball. Everybody else is figuring out, why can't you? And again, they probably won't. That's all. That's fine. I, that's, I'm not here to say, they, you know, that they will or they won't. I'm saying they should because, to me, that sort of rivalry is great for the state. That, you know, Tennessee, both Tennessee and Memphis, regardless of the reasons, both Tennessee and Memphis are relevant in college basketball. Memphis is relevant right now because they're struggling on the court specifically, not all this other stuff. Tennessee is relevant because they've been relevant for the past like five, six, seven years under Rick Barnes. When you have two relevant programs within the same state, you've got to figure out how to get that game because that game is great for the sport of college basketball. Football, I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. Memphis, mm-hmm. I mean, you can say that. Basketball, you can't say that because historically, they're a little better than you are. They're, I mean, they're, you know, they're what Tennessee is aspiring to be at least to get to that last weekend of college basketball. Regardless of how lucky or quote-unquote, I mean, that Memphis team I thought was the best team in college basketball that year. They didn't get it done on, the, on the, the biggest stage. On the biggest stage, they didn't get it done. But that was a team that was mere seconds away from a national championship. And I'm pretty sure that Tennessee, if I recall, didn't Tennessee beat that team? Yep, that was the, yep, the Memphis team that the went one number one. Two. Yeah, the one versus two. Mm-hmm. How great was that game? Yep. That was 14 years ago. I still remember that game. That was 2007. Yep. I, I, so, with with that as the backdrop, you can't tell me that a 15th ranked or whatever they are, Tennessee versus an unranked Memphis, it, it's going to be, I mean, it's bad for college basketball. I'm sorry, it's not important enough to put together for college basketball when we had one versus two. 15 years ago and everybody in the country watched that game yeah I mean you make fantastic points and it goes back to what I said earlier too about the one of the things I, I, I don't like about Rick Barnes is his stubbornness and I think this is a, a, a direct result of that and like you said why well, I don't think this this rivalry will be played and I, and I do disagree with that front again I, I get where he's coming from being upset but like you said there there are other things that have happened that have upset coaches and look at the 
just look at this year. We've had a couple times already this year where, and not even big rivalry games where it was the the Houston and Alabama game where the co the, the coaching staffs got heated. The Arkansas and I forget which game it was where Musselman had to be restrained by his like entire assistant coaching staff from yelling at the refs. I mean, that's that's there's a lot of things that happen in college basketball, and I think this is a, a byproduct of Rick Barnes have has been around college basketball for four decades. And I think he's just tired of all the shenanigans and, and drama with when it comes to that stuff. Again, I disagree with it. I, I think this game should be played every year, but I know these personalities of these two coaches, and I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think whatever, just take it, take time off. Y'all got to do what you got to do. Be stubborn. In, in some cases, be immature. Both of y'all being immature, whatever. Just take a break. Y'all ruin the fun for everybody. I don't, <laughs> just it's it's like the whole thing of like it, there are these these two groups here that are are messing around and they get the whole entire class in trouble. It's like like I said, two two kids are getting the whole entire class in trouble because they can't figure out how to act right around each other, and it, it sucks because I think the fans deserve it. And I think we obviously you and I are both are in favor of it happening. And to your point, Gene, talking about you know this this rivalry and, and it taking breaks from 1988 through 2001, this was a game that was played at least once a year, but a lot of times it ended up being played. Well, I guess twice in the same year, but not always twice in the same season. But they played every year uh, for about 13, 14 years there, from 88 to 2001. And then it took a five-year break until they played again in 2006 through 2011. Or, excuse me, 2006 through 2013, and then took another five-year break before they played again. You know, this most recent time in in 2018 when Tennessee was number three and they played in Memphis. So, you've had two five-year breaks in the last 20 years, and you're about to go on another one, maybe even longer than that at this point, uh, before these two teams end up playing each other. Other than you know, unless they somehow meet in a NCAA tournament or something like that in the next few years. I I agree with everything you said. It, 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 I, I just think that this is going to end up being a. I kind of want to see get a break right now, just for a year or two, just because these two coaches aren't going to. These two coaches aren't going to agree to play each other. Why is just lead into it and go with it? But I agree with Eugene. Like they, they should be more mature, because I do think Rick Barnes is being a little immature about it, and I definitely think Penny is. But I. <laughs> I just have a lot of thoughts on it. We could probably talk this entire podcast about just this specific thing, but I, I, I absolutely want this rivalry to keep happening. They've played 27 times in basically, what, 30, 40 years? That's not enough. Like you said, this should be an every year thing. And I guess 40 years. So 27 times in like, or I guess 26 times in 40 years because they played in 1969 and then not again until 88. But um, this is a, a, a rivalry that I, I want to see build out and, and be played more often. I like to see them be a more permanent fixture year in, year out. Even, even if it's not every year, every other year would still be nice. Like having it ha having it be a time where it's, you have a three-year deal where they play home and home Nashville and then a year break, home and home Nashville and then a year break. Like the, whatever it is, like I think that would be cool. Have it to be Knoxville and Memphis and then you play Nashville. That That's really cool to me because I think that incorporates the entire state and is a cool way to get the fans who live in all three sections of the state of Tennessee involved in this rivalry. And I think that would be a really cool way to do it because at, at the other rivals you mentioned, they don't span the entire state. You know, Louisville and, and Kentucky aren't east and west Kentucky. They're, they're you know, central and east. They're, they don't have the whole span of the entire state. Uh, Duke and North Carolina clearly don't either. They're right next to each other. You just mentioned Xavier Cincinnati. They're right next to each other too. So you, you these other big rivalries uh, don't have state-spanning you know, fan bases like this Tennessee and Memphis thing. So I think it would be really cool to have Tennessee in, in Knoxville, 
play Memphis and Memphis and then play Nashville as a, as a neutral side like we did for this or tried to do for this three-year agreement for this one but it obviously didn't work out for COVID and because of well I guess COVID technically both years because last year was because a lot of games got canceled and had to be rescheduled because of just COVID for everybody this year because COVID for Memphis so all in all Gene I I I actually agree with Penny on this one I would like to see Tennessee rescheduled maybe not this year but to try to do it next year or something but Rick Barnes has already said it's not going to happen. Rick Barnes already said it before this game that they weren't going to try to continue this relationship. I think he was. I don't. And I think he meant. You know, if the game gets canceled, it gets canceled. We're not going to try to reschedule it again. I. I. I just. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we'll see the, the Bridgestone game, again. I. I'd, I'd be shocked if it got scheduled for next year, or the or the year after that. Maybe it does. I don't know. But I. I would be stunned if it does. But. Gene, we we could sit here and talk about this forever. I. I do want to look ahead a little bit now because. This game's in the review, and I know I know we'll probably get a lot of comments about this topic, and I, I welcome them. You know, leave them on here on the YouTube video if you're watching it. Let us know on social media. I didn't plug them at the beginning of the show, but we're at Vol Hoops uh, Fever on Twitter, and we're tw- or Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. So leave us a message there. Comment on this the post when the the pod- podcast gets posted on those two accounts, um, or like I said, or comment on the YouTube channel, either one. But Tennessee does have another game coming up this week that is. Uh, probably more important in terms of of marquee matchup wise and uh building your ncaa tournament resume and that's against an undefeated 11-0 arizona team that granted they haven't played um the most difficult schedule of all time but they are they have put up some absolute points this season gene they, they are currently number one in the country in points per game at 91 exactly per game uh benedict's Matherin, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sure we'll hear it on Wednesday night when these two teams play. Uh, up from Canada, up there actually came from the NBA Academy Latin America. He was a, a top 100 prospect, I believe, in, in multiple of the recruiting services. Averaging 17.5, 6.5 boards. You have also have Azulis uh, Tubalis. Wow, they have a lot of names I'm not going to be able to pronounce. He's from Lithuania. <laughs> He's averaging 16.1 points, almost 7 boards a game. Christian Coloco, who is from Cameroon, 13.5 uh, a little over seven rebounds per game, and then Kerr Krisa, who's averaging 11.8 and 2.7 rebounds and 5.4 assists. So they have a very international heavy roster, which I think I remember being mentioned um, earlier this season, Gene. But they have a very—I think it's a really cool, very international heavy um, roster. Tennessee does too, but not to this extent where you have your four leading scorers, at least three of leading scorers, all from outside of uh, the United States. But they'd also have a guy, Umar Abalo, is who from is from Mali. You have a guy from Sweden on the team, another guy from uh, Lithuania on the team. I, th- I think it's, it's Azulis's uh, brother. Actually, looks like they have the same last name. So they have a very heavy overseas presence on this team, and they are very very good. They they've been uh, really good defensively. This is a game that I, th- I think it helps the fact that it's in Thompson Bowling for Tennessee. But this is a game, Gene, we we talked about in the preseason. We didn't know how good Arizona was going to be with the head coaching change and all the, the turmoil that was around them. Give a lot of credit to Tommy Lloyd in his first year as head coach there. He, he's done a great job getting them to 11-0. Again, they've not played the toughest schedule ever, but they do have an overtime win against Wichita State. They did beat Michigan. That was in, um, oh gosh, I don't remember what that early that early season tournament was. It was up in, over in T-Bubble Arena. I see that. But but they have Wichita State and, and Michigan as wins, and they did beat Illinois as well. That's another, you know, Big Ten team that they took down. So they've beaten two Big, te- two big Ten teams, um, an AAC team, 
and they've blown out basically everybody else they've played that you know of, of the lower echelon teams and they've put up a lot of points in all those they scored they won 83-79 against Illinois 80-62 against Michigan and then 82-78 against Wichita State and over time and again every other team they've basically dropped 90 plus on uh, just about and they've all been you know teams like North Dakota State Texas Rio Grande Valley Sacramento State so and they also beat Oregon State take it back they have one Pac-12 win already against Oregon State uh, 90 to 65 also but this this Oregon State team I don't think is um, yeah they're one in ten right now so I'm, I'm not gonna say that's a quality win either but they're still a very good team gene and this this is a game that uh, in the same way that the Memphis game concerned me with the length of the post players and just kind of the overall length of the team I'm looking at the guys like their, their leading scores all three of their leading scores six seven six eleven seven one so that concerns me. You have uh, another another seven footer, but like I said, the Umar, the the, the guy from Mali, uh, he's the seven footer. Dalen Terry is a six seven guy, and their other their two guards, um, their point guard six three, and then a shooting guard six four, who's a senior. So, not like those guys are small either. They're six three one eighty, six four one ninety, six eleven two forty five for uh, the Tubelis kid, and then uh, the Christian Coloco is seven one two twenty five. So he's that's that's pretty skinny, seven foot one actually. Um, but still. Average the seven boards a game, so he does a good job with his seven foot frame. Can't say the same about Tennessee seven footer, so it's what it is. But man, this is a game that again it helps that it's in Thompson Bowling. But this is this is a game where I'm not going to be shocked if Arizona is favored in this game coming into it. They're number seven on Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tennessee's number nine, which Tennessee keeps moving up even though they aren't playing. Um, which is funny, but Tennessee has the number two. Adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, number 35 offense. Arizona's 14 offense, which is kind of surprising to me. And number eight defense. They have the number three tempo uh, in the country, so they're going to play with a lot of pace. They do a lot of things really well on offense, and they do a lot of things pretty well on defense. They average seven blocks a game, which is number four in the country. They have the most assists per game, which is a little surprising because I knew Tennessee was really high up there, but they actually average more assists per game than even Tennessee. Uh, Both these teams are top ten in the country. And assists per game. So, Gene, I'm excited for this game. I will actually hopefully be in attendance for this game on Wednesday night. But I, I 100% expect Arizona to be very slight, like maybe one, one and a half point favorites. But maybe not because, I, I mean, they haven't, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be close to being a toss-up in this game. But this game concerns me because Arizona is a very good rebounding team. They have a good post presence. And if a if Tennessee isn't making their threes, I don't trust Tennessee's post presence to be able to make up for that. Just like I again, just like for the Memphis game, I, I have a lot of the same concerns in this one as I do, or as I did for the Memphis game. Yeah. Um, well, and first of all, I mean, I think maybe for all the things that Tommy Lloyd was been has been able to do, I, I'm pretty sure one of his uh, greatest feats was his ability to keep uh, Kirk Chrisa, um because that kid was that kid went to the portal after they also I mean after uh, Sean Miller left and his ability to just keep him that solidified that you know the point guard position for him and gave him a chance to be the full-time point guard because I don't think that kid was eligible till like early February and didn't get to play much last year so mm-hmm. you know I, I think he's getting a chance to show just what he's capable of but I mean that kid was kind of like a uh, I think kind of maybe like Vescovi in a sense and in, in that he had gone and played uh, at one of those uh, let me see exactly where he played at uh, uh, not quite um, he, he played EuroLeague uh, we'll say that much and yeah. was uh, successful uh, successful there but 
you know, I, I look and this has the this is a game, in my opinion, that Kennedy Chandler could shine. This is the sort of game where one of either Olivier or Fulkerson will have a chance to shine. Like, these are the statement games. Like, th- yeah. these are the games where if you are what we think you are as a player, these are the sorts of games you'll show up. Because as we've lamented on, mul- on a multitude of occasions on these podcasts, um, there's concerns about the interior of the, inter- the, the interior players. However you want to frame them, post players, stretch forwards, whatever – there's a concern about that position for Tennessee. There's a serious concern because uh, you know we're still trying. You know, Fulkerson's still trying to work himself back to being the player he was maybe two years ago, or maybe that was the exception. I don't know. Uh, um, you know, the different. You know, that offense ran through him. It no longer does. Uh, were they better or were they worse when that happened? I don't know, but. Um, you know, Fulkerson's still trying to get back to that form. You've got Olivier, who's has struggled to have that sort of game against legitimate competition. Uh, and then, obviously, you've got Huntley Hatfield, and that's pretty much where their interior begins and ends in terms of the players you're going to play. Um, but this could be a great opportunity for somebody like Kennedy Chandler just because you're going to have a really good matchup against uh, number 25, who actually was named after Steve Kerr, of all people. Um, <laughs> and you're going to have a, a great opportunity to go, you know, to go up against him. That's kind of the matchup I think a lot of people are going to be watching because those are two quality players right there. And I, I guess technically both are freshmen because, um, you know, the Arizona kid uh, last year was a COVID year. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I mean, that's that would be the matchup that I will be most excited for. Uh, obviously, Arizona's size and length are going to be an issue. I think that team as a whole is far better. I spoke with some people last week that said Arizona's a lot better than what people have expected, which kind of goes without saying. But because um, but it's also Arizona, so it's almost weird to say, man, this Arizona team's better than we thought. Well, I mean. <laughs> Arizona's been really good, <laughs> like mm-hmm. recently. So, you know, like you're trying to like piece some of that stuff together and figure some of that stuff out, and it's it's a little mind-boggling that you're saying that. But I think with the coaching change and everything that's been swirling around that program, uh, with the NCAA and stuff, and kind of sniffing around. Excuse me. I think that's you know that's kind of given reason for people to kind of be skeptical about this team going in the year. But they've exceeded a lot of people's expectations, and so. Just as this, this is a huge game, in my opinion, um, for Tennessee, this is also a pretty big one for, um, you know, for Arizona as well. Like, obviously, it's it's more, in the grand scheme of things, it's more important than the Memphis game. Let's be clear. Like, my feelings mm-hmm. on that game being played, they are what they are. That's just more from a, that's a, that's just kind of whatever, a, different, a difference in just how I want to I want to see that game be played. This this is a game where you win it. That's building up your resume. And right now, if you look at Tennessee's resume, it's eh, it's okay, it's okay. Um, 
yeah, they're going to be looked at as an upper echelon program. But just in terms of where Tennessee is, it's like I said, it's okay. It's okay right now. Like, but obviously you're in the non-conference. You've got a ton of opportunities. So therefore, like that, your your resume will become fine. But man, it will look good to have a win over a top ten team at home, on the road, wherever. That's a win that's going to look good on anybody's resume. How do they do it? I don't know. Maybe Kennedy Chandler goes crazy. Uh, maybe somebody not named. Maybe Olivier finally has that breakout game that people are actually really looking for, as opposed to the other breakout games where you're playing UT Martin or somebody like that. Right, um, right. Like the real breakout game that really solidifies this is the kid that that Rick Barnes said in the preseason, that's my project. That's that's the kid that we've been waiting on. That's the kid that we've been looking to see. And man, it's going to be a fun game. I don't think there's any way to say it. Like, that should be a fun game. And if Tennessee's able to pull it out, that's, that, that does a lot as their non-conference season is really starting to wind down. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I want to go watch some highlights and stuff of this team because I don't know if they play more physical and aggressive inside or if it's because they have so many international players, if they play more of a, of a finesse kind of European style of basketball. I'll be, I'll be, I'm interested to see kind of what their bigs and how they play because if they play a little more finesse, even though they have the bigs, that could, you know, that could play in Tennessee's favor because Tennessee doesn't have a lot of aggressive, um, as we talked about, doesn't have a lot of aggressive physical bigs. So if they play a little bit more finesse, Tennessee's main big guys, you know, because Huntley Hatfield isn't, isn't one of the main guys just yet, but Fulkerson and Olivier play more finesse. They, they have an aggressive mentality, um, or at least an attack mentality, but their offensive games are not as aggressive as they should be, and Fulkerson just isn't big enough to be all that aggressive and, and back somebody down and, and do all the, you know, the stuff that you would expect somebody of a 6'9 frame to do. But if, if those guys... Um, on Arizona's roster are also a little more finesse. I think that would be interesting, and that, that could play into, like, you, like I said, Tennessee's, I guess, way their post players play. I'll have to go look at some highlights. I've not really watched any Arizona this year, um, unfortunately, because, like, for one, some of the games have been on later, but two, I, I just haven't watched as much college basketball around the country this year um, as I did, I guess, last year. Um, I guess because I, I was more excited for it. Well, I guess last year, too, we were doing an SEC podcast. That was one reason why I was watching a little bit more than just Tennessee. Um, but I've obviously watched all of Tennessee's games, and I, I have watched some other games um, here and there, too. But I think this is – there's a point you'd mentioned there, and I'm, I was trying to go back and – I'm trying to go back and remember what it was. But you're right. I, I think this this matchup between the point guards with Kirk Risa and, and Kenny Chandler is, or, or Sakai Ziegler, either one – is going to be a very interesting one and what kind of what what defense how can Tennessee's defense disrupt what Arizona does on offense because I obviously you know Arizona hasn't played a defense like Tennessee's this year I'm going to be very interested to see can Tennessee be a pesky on-ball defense can they make Arizona make mistakes passing the ball because Arizona doesn't turn the ball over a ton they're averaging 12 and a half a game which is um, on the lower end of the spectrum Tennessee's they averaging like yeah, 10.7, which is one of the lowest numbers in the country, which is very impressive. And Tennessee has one of the highest numbers in the country in terms forced at 17.8. So I think that's also something that wor worth watching and looking at in this game. Uh, Arizona has the most total rebounds per game in the country, Gene, at 44.4. That's an insane number. Um, it's averaging 44.4 
rebounds per game. They've almost grabbed 500 as a team this year. Again, they're averaging seven blocks per game. They've also been like pretty lucky with injuries and health and stuff like that, Gene. They've been remarkably consistent. They've had the same starting five for all 11 games. You've had Benedict Matherin, uh, Azulis Tubelis, Christian Coloco, Karakrisa, and Dalen Terry. All five have been your, your starting five with Justin Keir looking like he's one of the first guys off the bench, averaging almost 20 minutes a game there. So they have played the same starting five all year. Tennessee can't say that. It, it, it probably would be the same starting five for Tennessee if not for, you know, Fulgerson missing the first game and then Josiah getting injured uh, when he did. But otherwise, Tennessee basically plays the same starting five um, game in and game out too. But they've been a very consistent team. They've just been – I mean, they've been consistently good. Like, again, like I said, all season, they've, they've been they've scored 80-plus, I think, in every game they've played. Let me double-check that, but I'm – fairly certain that's yeah they've scored at least 80 points in every game they've played this year um i don't think they would have in regulation against wichita state but you know they had overtime so that they scored 82 in that game um but yeah this is a this is a, a game that it's it's a resume builder for either team it, this is a huge game for either team it's it's a game that um arizona already has a statement win against then number four michigan michigan still in the top 25 i believe uh, but they're still you know a very solid squad this would be another resume padding kind of quadrant this would definitely be a quad one win for arizona because it's a away game against the top 25 opponent so it'd be a, a quad one win and i think it'd be a, it would be a quad one win for tennessee because it's even though it's a home game uh it's still a, a top 25 opponent so this is this is going to be in the grand scheme of things unless one or both these two teams fall apart down the stretch it's going to be a quad one um victory for one of these two teams and that that those are those are hard to come by, and those are the ones that, you know, that's the record against quad one, and, and, and quad two also is a big thing the, the selection committee looks at when it determines seeding and determines if you're even making the tournament or not in some cases. So that this is big for a lot of different reasons, and I, I am very excited to watch this game, and we'll do a little bit more research on Arizona and kind of their style of play, because they definitely move up and down the court a lot, and they get a lot of shots, and they have the number one... Uh, they have the most made field goals per game also, Gene, averaging 33.3 made field goals a game, fourth most field goal attempts per game right below 70. So they shoot the ball a lot because they get a lot of possessions. They get to the free throw line quite a bit too, which is, again, something Tennessee hasn't done a whole lot. So that also makes me think that maybe uh, Arizona does play a little phys more physically because they get to the free throw line 22 times a game, which is in the top th uh, top 30 in the country in terms of you know the rate there. So... I'm, I'm very intrigued for this game. Uh, before we end the podcast, I do want to go to the Lady of Alls game really briefly. Um, we'll we'll talk, talk more about that later this week. But we'll hopefully have another Lady of All basketball fever podcast to do uh, later this week, a little bit before Christmas time. But uh, Gene, Lady of Alls come up short against Stanford. Lose by 11. It, it was closer than what the, the final score indicated in the box score. I unfortunately was at a Christmas party with, with friends. Unfortunately, didn't get to watch hardly any of the game, but I did get to keep up with it online and, and, and kind of got the gist of it from following someone like Maria Maria Cornelius and, and Cora Hall who have had on the podcast before. Um, you know, their insights, I, I think, are very spot on with stuff. I, I saw, you know, Tennessee went on that level run in the third quarter. They really cut it close there. They fought back after, you know, getting off to a slow start. This was a game where I, I felt Tennessee missed Ray Burrell the most. And obviously, it you know, easy to say that after they lose, but I think there's been a couple other games this year where they have won, but I thought they definitely missed Ray Burrell, but this one more than any of the games so far this year you could definitely tell they were missing that that other offensive presence that you know Ray brings to the team but hopefully she's back in time for SEC play or around SEC play, but 
Gene, this is a game where I don't, you know, Sky isn't falling. The, the Lady Vols didn't get blown out. They lost by 11, but again, it, it was closer in that second half than the final score would indicate. It just kind of, you know, Arizona was going to pull pull away a little bit later. Lady Vols missed her free throws. That that was that was a big thing, a big contention that would have kept the Lady Vols in. I think they I mean, maybe get the uh, the um, box score up here. They lost by 11, and I'm pretty sure they missed 13 free throws. So yeah. you you literally can blame the loss on the missed free throws. It's obviously deeper than that, but uh, inability to make free throws. And I want to say they didn't shoot great from three either. Um, no, they're seven of sixteen. That's that's not bad um, actually. But still, you missed. Yeah, you were 15 of 28. For, oh no, sorry, 16 of 29 from the free throw line. Jordan Horston was seven of 12. Alexis Diaz 0 of three. Uh, Keen Green was six of 10. So those are the main ones that, that shot and, and didn't do well at all there. You know, Horston did have another, another double-double. Um, but someone like Tamari Key, who I thought was going to be huge in this game, she disappeared in offense. 0-3 from the floor, 1 point, 5 rebounds. She got in foul trouble, but ended up with 5 fouls, fouling out 2 blocks. She needs to be on the floor late, and obviously with the foul trouble, could not be. She only ended up playing 16 minutes. That's why you end up having you know Keon Green play a little bit more than she normally does. And he also went with a little bit more of a quote-unquote smaller ball lineup. Um, and this is a game where Stanford, in, in a rare case for Lady of All, Stanford actually had them probably beat in size in this game. So I, again, I'm not chalking this one up as a... It's definitely not a bad loss. Stanford was the number three team in the country and, and well-deserved. Lady of All shouldn't fall too far in the in the rankings after this one. But this is a game where you definitely learned a lot about your team and said, okay, we need to get Ray Burrell back. But man, they, they need to be practicing their free throws I don't know, man. It's been an issue with this team all year. I don't know how much better they're going to get at it, but th this team's free throws. We said it was going to come back to bite them at some point, and it, it did this game legitimately. You, you could blame the free throw misses for the loss in this case. Yeah, so, I mean, what makes it worse is the fact that when the game was starting to get away in the second quarter, uh, you're not making your shots. But then you also miss four of nine free throws in that yep. quarter. And that's a game where you're uh, – that's – and you're already off to the slow start, and you're trying to get yourself back into it. That's just that hurts. Um, and that's when obviously Stanford was making baskets while you were when Stanford was making shots, and you were missing shots. And sometimes yeah, they have also worth three of sixteen in the second quarter to to follow up what you're saying there. Yeah, and you know conversely, um, Stanford was nine for fourteen, and they made six of eight at the line in that in that quarter. So I mean, mm -hmm. you get to twenty six points. Whereas you had, at the very least, you missed 13 shots. Uh, make it even worse. I mean, you made – you took 10 shots inside of three-point range in that quarter. You made one. Yep. yep. Uh, you made more threes than twos in that in that particular quarter. Um, you know, 7 of 13 in the third quarter, but your defense was good enough, you know, to where that got you back in it. You, you know, obviously you had the big run. Uh, like, it's – it's a, games like that, it's kind of like what's happening with the, on the men's side with Arizona. Like, games like that will really show you what your team is. It's not it's not the easier games. And I understand, like, you know, so many times this podcast, I'm the person who is like, yeah, I don't really care about that win over USC Upstate. Or, yeah, I don't really care about that, that win over, you know, directional school ETSU or whatever. But that's for a reason. Like, you know, you're going to learn more. Lady Vols learn more about themselves playing Stanford yesterday than they'll ever learn playing 
ETSU earlier this week or UTC, a game in which I'm probably going to go to uh, next Monday. Uh, they're going to learn so much more in those sorts of games because those are the games that really determine who you are. Like those are the games that you have to win in March, and your everything is building towards March. Like that's why the regular season so matter. I mean, it matters to me so much is because it's all. When I say it's all practice, these are all games where you're going to figure out exactly who you are. That way, you can present the best version of yourself in March. And can you can you play against this style? Can you play against that style? You know, Stanford. I, I remember my first year covering Tennessee. They played Stanford, and this was uh, Avina Westbrook and and all those players on the roster. And Stanford spread that team out wide and shot threes all game. And they had five players to shoot that that were shooting threes. Their five man or their five player, five woman was was making threes, and that just makes them that much more difficult to guard. I'm I'm sitting here glancing at some stats right now. Um, it doesn't seem like they were quite that, you know, built that way. Obviously, the the Jones girl for Stanford had 18 and 19, and go along with six assists. Couldn't, make, you know, couldn't make a shot, couldn't miss a free throw. Three of 18 from the free throw line, 12. I'm sorry, three of 18 from the field, 12 of 12 at the line. You know, and so like that to me, that kind of shows these are the games are going to show it to Marquee what she has to work on. Does she have to be more aggressive offensively? She's still developing there. Like again, I understand the points per game that she averages. That doesn't really matter much when she's six foot six. She can grab a rebound and lay it right back up. Like that's that's just reality. Like you know, and in a game like that where there's some people your size, one point, yep. five rebounds. Um, you know, I don't think this, I don't think it's any surprise that Alexis Dye is a tough player. Yeah, and in, in those five rebounds, yeah. by the way, none of them were offensive boards. They were all defensive rebounds too. Right. Um, you know, I don't think it's any surprise about that. Yep. My, I just question her ability to play out on the floor, but I, I've never question I never question anything about her, how tough of a player she was. And I mean, because she spread out a team that she hasn't shown she can do, but what she does has worked for Tennessee. And it, I think in part because Burrell's not there too. So they need the scoring from somewhere. Like Horston is playing. Amazing basketball right now. I understand yeah. she did not. Sh- I understand she didn't shoot well, but that's a lot that's being asked of her. We need you to create for your teammates. We need you to look for your own shot. We need you to be aggressive defensively. Go get rebounds. I mean, she had nineteen, twelve, and five last yesterday. Yeah, like and four steals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't even let me turn my phone around. Okay, yeah, four steals. Didn't even <laughs> see that part and a block. I understand the five turnovers, but again, who else are you asking to be a playmaker? Mm-hmm. Who else are you asking, Miles? Like, they're trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. And you can only figure so much out against uh, inferior competition. You're now, those are the games where you figure it out. Like I said, these next two games, that's your feel-good time. ETSU and UTC, you ain't going to figure anything out there. I've seen that UTC women's team play a little more than I care to. When this ain't the UTC team that beat Tennessee a few years ago. That is not. That is a team full of freshmen, small freshmen, one post player. So guess who's going to have a big game next Monday? I'm calling it before, before anybody else hops on this podcast and starts trying to break down this Tennessee-UTC game. I'm going to tell you right now, Tamar Key is going to have a really good game. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now that UTC's point guards are like five foot five. 
I'm gonna tell you right now that their second post player is a five ten guard that was a five ten girl that started at point guard last year, but because they're so limited with players because of you know medical you know medical issues and and other stuff, I'll just say that that you know they're literally down to nine players, and ETSU was worse than UTC, worse, you know net ratings whatever you want to call it. So you're not going to figure anything out in these next two games. I've seen that Alabama team play, too, that's coming up next week. I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. They've got some scrappy players. Um, and who knows, maybe Burrell's back by then. You kind of hope that Burrell's maybe back for one of these ETSU-UTC games to kind of get her feet wet, but that way she's not hopping right into SEC play. You know, you kind of hope that. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know when she's going to come back. I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously I, I worked with Maria, she's an amazing reporter. I don't know the Cora Hall girl, but everything I've seen suggests that she's really good at what she does. Hopefully one, one, you know, one of those two, you know, they'll be able to provide more insight as to, you know, Burrell's availability and when she can come back. But, again, I'm looking at these next two games like get-right games to get yourself ready for the SEC, you know, season and you know so I don't know like I said it's it you kind of hope that they had put together a better performance in the end it looked close uh but it also highlighted the things that I think a lot of people knew they were all that this team was offensively challenged without Burrell this team defensively can kind of hang in a lot of games but you can only hang in for so long defensively if you don't have the offensive production um to kind of uh, Complement your defense. That's, I think that's kind of what happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. And and I I think again this isn't the you know this isn't a team where you look at this loss and go oh no this this team isn't who we thought they were. Like you said, it basically kind of highlighted no this is the team we thought we were that, that was getting by with some really good defense and making mistakes, but they're just a good team and they were good enough to overcome those in a lot of the games they played even against really good competition. But Stanford is, uh, to me, they're another level from any of the other teams that Lady Vols have played so far. And that's not going to be the case when you get to SEC play and you're playing these these South Carolinas and you know playing UConn later on in the year. And you know Lady Vols already had a tough schedule in non-conference anyway, and they're going to have still a tough schedule in the SEC too. So, like you said, these next two games are your last two tune-up games or whatever you want to call them, um, because this game against Stanford obviously was a, a, an elite top five matchup and then you get into SEC play and you're you're playing Alabama Arkansas at the Texas A&M Ole Miss Vanderbilt Kentucky Georgia so I mean you've got tough games coming up on your horizon I, I don't know where all those teams are ranked or anything like that but I, I know historically some of those teams have given Lady Balls trouble over the last few years especially um, but I I think this loss to me like you said it, it, it doesn't change really how I feel about this team much at all. It makes me say, hey, you know, they're beatable now. You know, they, the, the mistakes they're making did catch up to them finally, so we know that they, they can lose because of that. They're not just always going to overcome it, but they did show some signs of the, the team that I always you know, knew was there. They fought back after being down in the third quarter, or, or I guess halftime in this case. They don't ever they don't give up, and that's been a, a, a thing I mentioned in the last Lady Ball podcast. That's something that's not been true over the last it, it was it was mostly true last year, but especially in, in Harper's first year and, and Holly Warlick's last few years, those teams you couldn't count on to fight back. They they got down in a, a significant deficit. 
This team, I, I'm never counting them out in a game. If they're down at halftime, if they're down in the third quarter, I 100% think this team is still capable of coming back. And it, it, that's going to be especially true when they do get Ray Burrell back and they get more offense, you know, that injection in there of offense. And like you said, you're not having to ask Jordan Horston to do everything she's being asked to do. This team is, is a team that I think is still going to be very good, still going to be top four, top three probably in the SEC this year. A team that I think can go, I don't think Final Four, but I think they can at least get back to the Sweet 16. And that's something that the Lady Vols actually haven't done in too long, for the Lady Vols especially. This is a team that I think is going to be, um, hopefully, for t- Tennessee's sake, very foundational to what Kelly Harper is wanting to build and, and get this program to be because they have the, the freshmen that have played and, and how well they've played so far has surprised me because I thought they would play and I thought they'd you know be some pretty decent role players but man I mean Sarah Puckett and, and Brooklyn Miles have played some very pivotal minutes here in the last uh, three or four weeks for Lady Vols and they've both obviously won SEC freshman of the week in the past two weeks but Puckett against Stanford even uh, 10 points it, it didn't do great rebound but 10 points and a rebound and a couple assists or I guess no look at the wrong line stat line there uh, but she did have a steal, three of eight from the floor, two of five from three. Again, that's not bad, especially for a true freshman who is your first player off the bench. Off the bench, excuse me. Uh, Abruka Miles is one of one from her from three, five points, three boards, two assists, uh, and and that game in a steal also. So again, I, I think this is a, a a strong foundation to build on for what you want this program to be. I, I don't expect this team to be the team that gets the Lady Balls back. I expect them to be the team that goes a long way that 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 is the reason the Lady Vols get back in the years to come and I expect this team to be one of the better Lady Vol teams we've seen in a few years and I think they've already proven that I mean look what they've done so far and look what they you know I think what they can be moving forward barring any more significant injuries or barring you know Ray Burrell having a setback and, and not being able to come back here in the next month but That'll be why we end this podcast. Uh, Gene, it's been a pleasure talking to you this episode. I don't know if we'll do one before the Christmas break, so if I don't see you before then, buddy, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners Before, if we don't do one before then also, but uh, we may do one more. We'll, we'll see. If, if it's not Gene, I may have someone else come on because I don't know what, you know, it, Christmas Eve is on a Friday, Christmas is on Saturday, so traveling and stuff probably later on this week for a lot of people too. So we'll try to maybe have another one for you. Uh, if y'all are traveling for the holidays and want to listen to some post-Arizona uh, talk for the men's side as well, uh, we'll try to get that for you in some way, somehow. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. Again, we have a YouTube channel now. Go subscribe to Let that me, if you haven't already. Hold on, but, uh, right yeah, before, one more thing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, right before we... Obviously, I wanted to just kind of you know, throw that message right back at you. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. Merry Christmas to all of the listeners. Thank you all for just continuing to support everything that we're trying to do here. Sometimes it looks, you know, it, it, it sounds maybe kind of crazy. I apologize for that on my end. <laughs> a lot of traveling. I'm sometimes here. I'm sometimes there. I'm never there. I'm never where you think I am. I'm always traveling. What work? You know, parenthood. You know, I've got to. You know, I mean, you know, though. You know, everything that's transpired. Like I said I, I appreciate uh, Nathaniel for giving me this opportunity we, that we started well over a year ago. Obviously, we've rebranded. We've done so much. Uh, we, I think we're pleased with everything that's kind of transpired, and obviously listening to Nathaniel and how he's branched this thing out. Uh, I know he appreciates all of you that have listened mm-hmm. and uh, you know and have just you know subscribed. However, your listening devices, I don't. It's it's everywhere now, and it's only going to grow. It's only going to get better, and I'm glad to be a part of it. So obviously, Nathaniel, Merry Christmas to you, Merry Christmas to all the listeners, uh, and we appreciate it. You know, all for supporting us. 
Well, thank you, Gene. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very appreciative of our listeners and our, our the people who've commented and left reviews and, you know, have given back to us and then helped this thing grow because it, it's just been a labor of love. It's just been something I've, I've done for fun and I've been um, very happy with, with how it's been received and, and the basically all positive. We, we've been getting negative, but it's not been like, a, oh, you guys are trash, you all suck. It's been, you know, if anything's been negative, it's been criticism, and it, but in a, in a way to help us get better. And I very much appreciate that that's how uh, our listeners have handled it. It's not been a whole bunch of trash talking and, and whatnot. It's been like, a, hey, you know, I think this is a way that this can get better. But I, I'm very, very appreciative of everyone who's helped us grow along the way and will hopefully help us grow even more here as the season continues on for both the men's and women's teams at Tennessee. So thank you, Gene. Thank you to our listeners slash viewers slash whatever, however you're intaking this podcast now. We very much appreciate it. Signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vault Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vault Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode. 